0: Hi, I'm Amanda McLooney. And I'm April Klimkevich, and this is Her Step Forward where we share stories of women who step up, step out, and step forward into careers and lives they love. Since 2004, Wei Wang has worked at the Packard
1: Foundation, where she leads a program that aids the nation's most promising early career professors in pursuing innovative science and engineering research. From inquiries into ancient microbes to exploring the evolution of galaxies, Xiaowei supports Packard Fellows as they dare to think big, take risks, and explore new scientific frontiers. Xiaowei is a graduate of the College of William and & Mary and Stanford University, completing her graduate thesis while working and parenting full-time. She cherishes her roles as domestic concierge, nurse, nutritionist, storyteller, counselor, scout den leader, piano coach, chauffeur, and custodian. Xiaowei lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her husband and two kids. Welcome, Xiaowei. We're so glad you could be here with us today. Thank you so much, April and Amanda. It's
2: really fun and lovely to be here today.
0: Yay, we're (laughs) We're excited. excited.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and
1: also
0: we say the same thing together a lot. (laughs) We picked
1: up this great skill after a few episodes together. (laughs) 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 So to get us started, shall we? uh, Can you tell us about your work with the Packard Fellowship and how you got involved in it?
2: Absolutely. So I have been with the Packard Foundation now for 15 years. And when I say that out loud, it, it gives me pause, especially in Silicon Valley, that I've been with the same organization in the same capacity for so long. But I really feel very fortunate to be in this position and to be able to support um, early career scientists uh, who are doing some truly incredible work, taking risks and just letting their curiosity and interest in various fields take off and to be a part of that to help enable them to, to, to really launch their research careers. I myself am not a scientist. I am one of four kids in my family who did not pursue science. All of my siblings are in academia and are um, either physicians or engineers or both. Hmm. And so I've been the black sheep of my family for a long time. I'm the youngest one, a bit of a rebel. And I went into the liberal arts when I was uh, in my undergrad years and was very interested in community, volunteerism, um, what role can I play in bettering our general society not as a scientist, but as more on the humanitarian side. And so prior to coming to the Packard Foundation, I was working in Washington, D.C. at an organization called the Council on Foundations, and I was trying to understand how corporations and companies could take a greater role in the communities that they're working. Um, at the time, my husband and I were long distance. He was out here in California. I was in Washington, D.C. We did this long distance commute for about five years Uh and one of us had to move and I could not compete with the weather of course so I came (laughs) out.
0: uh, (laughs) You're talking to two Florida girls we get it.
2: (laughs) Oh yes very fortunate year-round sunshine it's lovely. So he was out here at Stanford I was in Washington DC I waited uh, patiently for the right role to come up because at the time I loved my job I loved the opportunity just to be able to learn every day about philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Packard Foundation role came up to lead their Packard Fellows program. And I thought, well, I'm going to take a risk. I'm not a scientist, but I know how to organize scientists and I can you know, organize large scale projects and initiatives. So I took a risk and I interviewed for the role and I was very fortunate that they took a risk on me. So now 15 years later, I have what I think is the best job at the foundation and that I get to work with now we have a community of 600 Packard fellows somehow I even in my coming age I can still know and remember almost all 600 fellows oh, wow. and I'm humbled working with them
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool and I you know I have to say you mentioned having a liberal arts degree I have a liberal arts degree Amanda has a degree in arts and so, you know, it's fascinating to me as I work with, with people with all different types of degrees, what you can do with any degree. It's not always a straight line to some particular outcome, but you can study and learn how to be creative, and how to analyze, and how to write, and those skills can be used in so many different jobs and and circumstances. So, that's pretty cool that you were able to to learn that firsthand as the black sheep of your family. (laughs) (laughs) So, Xiaowei, maybe you can share with us, you work a lot with folks in STEM fields. What are Mm -hmm. some issues facing women in STEM that are important to you? And what do you think needs to change so that we can overcome them with positive results? Well, fortunately,
2: this is a topic that is of priority and of concern to a lot of different sectors in our society, and not just scientists. I have two kids, and they're elementary school aged, and I love to hear that there are so many programs in schools, um, starting at preschool level, where they're trying to Uh, encourage all kids, boy or girl, (laughs) no matter what gender, to to take an interest in science Mm -hmm. and to really dive in deep and to foster those interests. And at the end of the day, kids, of course, are little scientists. I mean, they're constantly taking risks. They're constantly trying new theories, whether they're social or scientific. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, kids by nature are scientists in how they approach life and how they're trying to figure out life. So this idea this question of what are some of the issues that women are facing in STEM, I think is a hot priority, big topic right now at all levels of society. Um, just as I think the, the particular time right now, the role of women in society, I think is, is something that a lot of people are addressing and mm-hmm. a lot of the challenges and opportunities. And so when I was reflecting on, What are some of the changes or ways that we can support more women in science? I actually, I don't know if it's unique to science. I think it comes down to the network of women and the connections that women are able to make with each other, whether Mm -hmm. you're scientists or not, and to be supportive of one another and to take the time to build connections and build relationships because ultimately that's That's how we get things done, and that's how we learn, and that's how we grow. Mm -hmm. And in science in particular, so much of the big breakthroughs in science, they come from collaborations, right? They come from individuals with different expertise areas and different fields of research. And so collaborations are huge in all fields, but especially in science, because not one person can really achieve their their scientific research goals alone. Mm-hmm. There's always postdocs and students and collaborators and other universities and even industry. Um, it is a very collaborative effort. And so at the end of the day, it really comes down to those connections and what what can you do at the beginning of establishing a collaboration to to really build trust among those people. And that's where I think women really have an advantage over men is that we are kind of biologically engineered to want to have these connections and to um, to build trust with those that we're working with. And so I think if we can continue that momentum, that supportive network where we're lifting each other up and we're communicating well with each other and communicating openly with each other, I think that will over time really make a big, big difference.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I love that. You know, I I think to your note about just supporting other women around you, no matter whether they're in the sciences or not, you know, I, I feel like I see a lot more on social media and and some other places where it's like, you know, for instance, if you have the choice to support, like, a woman owned business versus another business that's maybe a corporation mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. owned, make the choice to support the woman owned business. Or if mm-hmm. you're fortunate enough to have someone younger than you in whatever your job is, take on someone who's a little younger or a little newer and support and mm-hmm. make her. And I think I think that you're so right about just like building that network and supporting those other women around you. And it, mm-hmm. you know, it mm-hmm. has the power to make such a tremendous difference for all of us. And I think it's one of the reasons why April and I started this podcast because we were like, you know, it doesn't have to be, just the women around you. For me in particular, my last several years, I've been in technology and I've been surrounded by all guys. So we were like, you know, Mm -hmm. if we start the podcast, how can we help create that information for other women who don't have a lot of females around? I love that.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think it's important, you know, if we think about the world of work, which is kind of where, where I always go with my career and helping other people with their careers, it's, always been about who you know it's always always been about networking except that mm-hmm. it's only recently that women have been working the way that men have been working all throughout history and so mm-hmm. the network for men is already there and it's already strong and I feel that as women get these great jobs and are able to shine it's so important for those of us that are doing well like Amanda was saying like Mm -hmm. yeah grab a mentee pull her up there with you teach Mm -hmm. her what you know so I think that that's so important thank you for bringing up that point Mm -hmm. absolutely well I know there are
2: countless individuals who have helped me along the way and I would say that I'm probably mid-career at this point but I think things do come full circle. And, you know, if there's any time I get contacted by somebody on LinkedIn, I am more than happy to, to chat with them about the mistakes that I've made, because certainly I've made a, my share of mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. But also, what are some of the, the things that kind of helped me in my serendipitous path to, uh, to being in my current role?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I think to your, your point there about, you know, making mistakes, one of the things I'd like to know. You know, if you could go back to a time where you made a mistake, maybe you were in a, a complicated time in your life, and share some insight with yourself that you didn't know back then, but you know now, what would it be? What would you tell yourself?
2: Oh, there's just too many to think of right now. <laughs> but I would say <laughs> I would say one of the most complex and challenging times of my Last 15 years at the Packard Foundation were when I was trying to finish my graduate degree at the same time that I was managing the Packard Fellows Program and had also recently given birth to my firstborn child. Um, and in my head, then <laughs> I thought, I can do this. I can work full time. I can write a thesis, and I can have a newborn child. No yeah. problem. <laughs> And it was very difficult and it was very challenging. And, um, I was probably had more cranky hours than pleasant hours, unfortunately, for my husband. But I had a very supportive network. I had a supportive manager, supportive colleagues, and a flexible work environment, which I think, um, made all the difference. And also, my husband, always, I always, he was in the first page of my acknowledgments of my thesis that I really could not have gotten that, through that period without. Relying on him to, to take over more of the the typical you know household duties that I had been responsible for, but looking back on that, it was a little bit cuckoo <laughs> it was a little bit crazy. Um, I had a lot of guilt I had a lot of guilt either because I wasn't spending enough time with Max, who was my firstborn and teeny tiny at the time, or it was that my mind was you know when I was in class or writing my thesis, I was focused on the 10 things I was supposed to be doing uh, for my work job. And so it was a lot of juggling. It was a lot of just feeling guilty that you know I should have been doing something else when I had other priorities. And so looking back on that time, perhaps I could have focused on two of the three priorities, maybe um, taken time out from my graduate program to really focus more on, you know, becoming a, a new mom. And realizing now that I mean it, it did happen, I did finish the, the graduate degree, and I still have my job, and Max <laughs> is still thriving, and we um, have a very good marriage. But you know, I didn't need the stress probably, and I mm-hmm. and I could have focused my interests more. I could have also delegated more. I'm not very good at that. I think a lot of women probably struggle. There is mm-hmm. in delegation being able to let go of certain aspects that we we feel we know best, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So learning to delegate and probably letting go of of some of the guilt that I had during that period.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's really great advice. And it's funny because we interviewed last season Rachel, a health and wellness coach in New York City, who talked about priorities and talked about our priorities can move and can change over the course of a lifetime. And so we have to really think about them and think about, okay, where, where do I need to put my time right now? And that's going to change maybe a few weeks from now, a few months from now, a few years from now. And we visualized a pie and now I'm going to want pie. But, <laughs> you know, this idea that the, the slices of the pie can shift. And I feel like that's kind of what you're sharing with us as well. Like, you know, it might've been nicer to take a bigger slice of pie relating to like your son and maybe push school to the side for a little while. So I think that's right. great advice. Right. So as a woman, I think, um, you know, I, t- I talk to other women. Some of them choose to have children. Some of them choose not to have ch- children. Some of them choose a specific time in their lives and careers to have children. And I feel like mm-hmm. this is a, a hot topic for women <laughs> talking to each other mm-hmm. about kids and, and whether or not and when. So what was Uh the point when you knew you wanted a career and and also wanted to be a mom?
2: I can't think of a time when I didn't want both, actually. Um, and, And this may be because, you know, my own mother was a role model to me, you know, very much so. I mean, she raised four kids and she was a high school teacher for over 20 years. And so I saw her just constantly moving and constantly working on just dozens of projects at a time, whether it was with the four kids she was raising or with the business classes that she was teaching with her students. I mean, she knew every single student in our school. She made deep personal connections with many of her students. Wow. And I admired that she was able to to balance all of that, to be just a really inspiring high school teacher uh, while still being able to be very engaged at home and to manage a very busy household with four kids. Mm -hmm. And so from my perspective, it was always never a question of did I have to choose? Um, it was just when would I decide to have kids Mm -hmm. and just making it all work the same way somehow my mother made it all work. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I will say that about, um, a year into parenthood, I did question should I be a full-time parent? Um, and this would come up when I'd be at play dates or I'd be, you know, I'd run into a new mom at a playground and inevitably the question would come up, um, do you work or are you full-time mom? Mm-hmm. And would proudly, you know, respond that yes, I do work, but I'm also a very involved and loving mom. Um, but I, I did notice that the conversation would change or the, um, I guess the, the response would change when I did state that I was a a working parent. Um, and so at those times I would question, am I, am I making the right choice? And I, I always knew that I was, but I did, you know, wonder what it would be like if I didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, it, I think being a working parent makes me a better parent, just makes me more balanced that I have my own interests and I have my own passions to and um, my own focus outside of being a mom because it's, it's who I am. Mm-hmm. And you're role modeling for your kids the way that your mom role modeled for you. That's true. Hopefully I'm doing a sufficient job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure that you are. And I think that you know, on this topic of, of having both the career and the family, I think one of the things that April and I always talk about, and and we can't figure out how people do it because April and I both have the podcast is like a, a hobby on the side, and we both have full-time jobs and we both have furry children, but we don't have any real oh. children. So <laughs> we always we're always curious, like, how do you find a way to get everything done and to juggle and balance it all when you do have a career in human children and a husband and everything else and and still making time for yourself? What are what are some of your secrets there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, <Yeah, snow laughs> the nobody's <beans. laughs> <laughs>
2: This might be the question in 20 years when I look back, how how do women handle it all and balance it all? Um, definitely keep your sense of humor and make sure your kids have a sense of humor as well when they have to deal with the, the shortcomings. So I am so fortunate to work for an organization that is very, very family friendly. From the very beginning, the, the Packer Foundation gives each new parent, male or female, six months of maternity leave
1: wow. or
2: paternity leave. Um, and so, I was able to take a year off, essentially, with my with my two kids, so which I think is tremendous. And I and I really wish more organizations would would allow that. But the Packard Foundation also has a a very developed volunteer program where they give one week of paid time off for you to volunteer at any organization, and you can spread that out over the year. And so, I'm able to spend a lot of time in my kids' schools, whether they like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> as a parent volunteer.
0: <laughs> um,
2: but also when I go to some of my grantee convenings, um, I'm able to take my kids with me. And that is huge, both for me professionally, as well as as a parent, to, to let them see with their own eyes and experience some of the, the issues that, you know, our society is facing mm-hmm. and to meet with the scientists that I get to, to work with. Um, from a very early age, my daughter has uh, told her friends and her teachers oh my mom gets to work with scientists and she helps to to support them so they can do research and so being able to take them to my scientific convenings and my conferences to meet the Packard fellows and to ask your questions at different events I think is huge and and helps me to keep things balanced.
1: Yeah that's what awesome. a cool opportunity for them that's really amazing. <laughs> <laughs> But it's certainly not without it's certainly
2: not without hiccups and disappointments, both on the parent and child side. I can I can think of a time where I have, was facing many many different project deadlines at work, and I'm big on calendars. And I know know a lot of uh, my mom friends that I admire so much are super organized. They're on top of things. They've got everything on the Google calendar, sometimes weeks in advance, months in advance, and I think at the beginning of my son's kindergarten year, I put down Pajama Day on the calendar. And I was like, I'm going to be on top of this. I've got, you know, Spirit Day. I've got Wear Your Clothing Backwards Day. Everything was on the calendar because that's (laughs) that's how I function. So when Pajama Day approached, I was super excited because, you know, he didn't have to change in the morning. Max just rolled out of bed, had breakfast. (laughs) We got on our bikes. We went to school. And as we're biking along, I'm looking around at some of the kids walking school and they're not. Wearing their pajamas. And um, I thought, these kids don't have spirit. What's wrong with them? As we, got, as we got closer and closer to the school, I noticed that nobody was wearing pajamas. Oh, no.
0: and, I,
2: and I looked at my calendar, and apparently I'd put the date, pajama day, uh, one week early oh, on no. my calendar. And I turned to Max and I said, honey, I am so sorry. And he knew immediately. And he looked at me with big eyes and horror in his eyes <laughs> as I had taken him all the way to school and in pajamas. And he was the only one wearing his little stormtrooper pajamas.
0: <laughs>
2: so I said, wait right here. I'll be right back. And I biked home as quickly as I could, grabbed his clothes and came back to school and dropped him off went to work and made it, made it to work on time somehow.
0: Wow, (laughs) that's hilarious. And I hope that Max finds it as hilarious as we do. Maybe five years later, he does. that's funny my mom (laughs) always said that it's better to be early than late better to be a week early for pajama day than a week late for (laughs) pajama day (laughs) that's a great story so as we come to the end of our podcast today we would love for you xiawe to share with us your best piece of advice for women who are looking to take their next step forward oh gosh Best piece of advice or pieces of advice? Sure. Yeah, if you've got (laughs) more than one, let's hear it.
1: Okay.
2: Well, like you mentioned earlier, I think it was April, you talked about women's networks and how it all comes down to relationships and who you know, and I couldn't agree more with that. I'd just like to echo what I discussed earlier about the collaboration piece and connections and engagement and really taking the time to get to know women in your field or um, even women outside your field and to have the opportunity to to ask questions, both questions about what they did well and what mistakes were made along the way. mm mm-hmm. And to be as, as I don't like to use the word because it's overused these days, but to be as authentic as possible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help and it's okay to admit areas that you feel like you need to improve on. I would also say that in this era of social media, that I think it's really important that we put our devices down and we have as many face-to-face or at least voice connections with each other, like on this podcast. (laughs) And to just make sure that we're all getting a healthy dose of social media, of course, we're all very involved and very engaged in what's going on from a digital perspective and through a digital lens. But I I do think that the art of being able to have a conversation face to face or, again, at least voice conversations, I think Mm -hmm. that art is so valuable and so important in terms of making connections with others. Mm-hmm. So, seeing my own kids observing life through a screen, sometimes it, it does concern me, and I just want to make sure that we as humanity have the opportunity to have more in-person connections.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important, and I just love how the right people find us and we find mm-hmm. them for this podcast because we agree, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> we totally agree with everything that you just said, and, and I think that's really valuable advice. For people in this day and age where it's it's easier to just go on Facebook and just keep scrolling and like use that as mm-hmm. relaxation time. Mm-hmm. It's harder to pick up the phone and ask somebody mm-hmm. to grab a cup of coffee and pick their brain. It's so mm-hmm. much more scary. But at the same time, it's so much more useful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And not, not only are you learning something, but as somebody with a different perspective and a different outlook on life... There's something that you can share, even if it's not something you know specific in your industry. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's just being young and having a, a better understanding of, how, of different types of social media and new types of social media and what's upcoming. And you can share that with somebody or, or whatever it is. It could be anything, mm-hmm. but everybody That's- has something to give. It's not just oh, you know, like I, I don't want to waste their time, kind of thing. Right.
2: Right. So in my work culture, we say that we have an open door policy and that if there are concerns or topics that you want to discuss, you know, at the senior leadership level, you know, we have an open door policy and and feel free to just walk right into someone's office and and talk about that issue. And I don't think it's actually used as much, that Mm -hmm. open door policy, but I have been known to just uh, look for vacancies on people's calendars and truly just go upstairs and walk right into my general counsel's office and have that conversation rather than schedule a time for, you know, Mm -hmm. three weeks later when she has 20 minutes on my calendar. And there's nothing that can replace that in-person face-to-face dynamic.
1: Mm -hmm. I think that goes along with your note about being authentic. And I think, especially with social media, things have a way of, you know, 95% of the time, you're just painting a rosy picture on social media. I feel like that yeah. human conversation, whether you're on the phone or whether you're in person, you can talk about the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs, mm-hmm. something that April and I always strive to talk about in each of our episodes. Let's talk about your accomplishments, but let's talk about some of your struggles and, and your obstacles as well, because I, I think that's where social media tends to fall short.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. I love that. Yeah.
0: Well, with that, we want to say thanks to everyone for joining us today. And Xiu Wei, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with us. Thank you for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to reflect. Our pleasure. As always, we're looking forward to sharing more stories soon. In the meantime, check out our website at HerStepForward.com or follow us on Instagram at HerStepForward for all the latest updates. If you'd like to reach out to us, shoot us a message on Instagram or email us at info@hurstupforward.com. At See you next time.